It's time for gabbing with Jason, so here playing settle down. It's best you just call him Jason when they see him around town. He might as well throw the script away. He never follows it anyway. He's trying to find the joy in every So listen up, cause you're gabbing with Jason now What you've been doing, what's been happening, he's gonna ask it all You never know where it's gonna go, but it's gonna be a bomb So make yourself a drink or two Jason's gonna pour some out of Now he's ready to share some fun with you so say hello, we're Gavin with Jason now. Hi, and welcome to Gabbing with Gason. I am your host, Gason, or as no one yet still calls me, but I call myself the velvety voice of homosexuality. And happy Turkey Day, Gabbers. I almost said gobblers and really had to like focus on that, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I want to drop a quick show this week for you all because I know it's a busy time for many folks, including your little fave gay here. And, uh, you know, because for those that celebrate in the United States, it's Thanksgiving week. We do have international listeners. So, you know, maybe they don't. I don't know. I'm sure other countries. I know I think Canada has a Thanksgiving and some other countries do. So we celebrate ours in November. Um, but, you know. Thanksgiving, huh? Oh, it's, it's not always the greatest in uh, in our LGBTQ friends' lives. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, we have to sometimes deal with some family. So we're going to talk about that closer to the end of the show. But anyway, um, for those that don't know what Thanksgiving is, it's a time that, you know, we kind of get together. And I mean, we're supposed to be thankful. We get together and talk about being thankful. But we've turned it into we're going to eat. We're probably going to fight with our families. And we're going to do some online shopping because, let's face it, Black Friday as a concept is pretty much gone. All right, it's gone. It's gone. It's fine. You know, there are times, uh, I have lots of stories of Black Friday that, you know, maybe we'll do on another episode someday. We'll do Tales from Black Friday. I meant that that might be fun for next year. Hmm, who knows? I don't know. Let me know. Anyway, <sighs> Black Friday's over. We shop online now. I don't even think Cyber Monday exists anymore. I think it's just everything you want is already on sale and you just go get it. I think they start doing things now. I saw Black Friday sales in September and I was like, ah, uh, we're not even in October yet. I think you're a little early. Anyway. I wanted to bring you just a little bit of joy uh, into your Thanksgiving celebrations, or if you don't want to use that term, your Turkey Day celebrations, whether you're with your your family or your chosen family, it does uh, whoever. But, you know, maybe you just need a little extra gay in your day, and you said, ooh, I need some gay on Turkey Day. And I said, okay, great. Why don't I create our first ever holiday Turkey Day cornucopia special? That's right. I'm going to use that word cornucopia probably pronounced it incorrectly it's fine anyway we have a new special right we've never done a cornucopia episode we've done we've done you know we have our our fantastic uh, single people's awareness day special we have our halloween spooktacular but we've never done anything for for turkey day so i thought well why not uh why not do a cornucopia day and then i thought okay well do people actually know what a cornucopia is because 
I mean, I know what it is, sort of, but it's that horn thing where there's like a bunch of food in it, right? And you see it in a lot of Thanksgiving decorations. Um, but I was like, well, I don't know, you know, really where that came from. You know, some people might even call it a horn of plenty, I think. So I thought, you know what? I will go to a, a wonderful source of knowledge. Hey, ChatGPT, what's the cornucopia? I, Gason, a cornucopia is a symbol of abundance and plenty, often depicted as a horn-shaped basket overflowing with fruits, vegetables, and other harvest-related items. The cornucopia has its roots in ancient mythology. In Greek mythology, it is associated with the goat Amalthea, first the infant Zeus. The horn of Amalthea came to symbolize prosperity and abundance. Time. This symbol is adopted by various cultures and is often linked to harvest festivals and the bounties of nature. The term itself is derived to Latin, Meaning horn, meaning uh, okay, okay, girl. Awesome. Well, that, I hope, educated everyone, including myself, about cornucopias. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> being that it is a full of abundance, uh, I thought, you know what? There's a bunch of like mini segments that I wanted to do on the show, and I just haven't had time. And I also didn't want to bring on a guest this month uh, or for this episode because, I, you know, we're, we're busy right now. So I thought, why not now create this cornucopia special where I get to talk about all those little segments. Yeah. So I've created what I'm calling the cornucopia wheel or wheel of cornucopia, whatever you want to call it. It's fine. So I'm using like this little spinning wheel thingy, right? And in this spinning wheel, it has, uh, I put down names of different things that I wanted to talk about, different segments, and we're going to spin it. I don't even know what the order of the show is going to be in. I know what I'm going to talk about. But the wheel of cornucopia-ness, that's fine. The wheel of cornucopia is actually going to tell us how to do the show today. You're welcome. Welcome to my crazy mind. Yeah. All right, here we go. We are going to hear from the wheel. Here we go. I'm going to I'm going to spin the wheel and I don't know where it's going to land. Here it goes. Here it goes. Here it goes. Okay, it looks like our first segment today is uh is a is a is a rewind segment. Yeah, because it's close to uh, Turkey Day, right? We're pretty close to it. And we actually brought on guesty bestie Kyle a couple of seasons ago. And uh, Kyle is our resident foodie. He knows a lot about food and, and creating food and stuff like that. So um, Kyle came on the show back in season two to talk about a word that makes me giggle. And that word is spatchcocking. That's right, spatchcocking. I had no idea how often I would say that word in my in my life around this time. But uh, what I thought we would do is just do a little rewind. Have you uh, go listen to Kyle and I segment where Kyle teaches me all about spatchcocking. And uh, he also talks about his, uh, his, his Thanksgiving. This is why I invited you over because um, I, I would say this. I'm going to be nice to you. Out of all of my friends, I feel like you do the more... So I don't want to say extravagant, but you you definitely cook differently. Like you enjoy cooking mm-hmm. and you always try to cook with like the most freshest and best ingredients. Uh, every morning at work, I start our, our day off with like a question of the day. And today's question was, what Thanksgiving side do you like the most? And everybody has to put down what they want. And somebody wrote green bean casserole, not from cans. And I was like, no. And I looked right at you and I knew it was you. So my question for you is, 
do you do you cook Thanksgiving for your family or do you just bring stuff? No, I cook it. The whole meal? Usually, yeah. It's usually just my sister and my parents now, okay. so it's pretty small. But yeah. If I don't get to cook Thanksgiving, I'm disappointed. Oh. Do you are you have you started planning your menu? Somewhat, yes. I mean, it's pretty much now set kind of year after year. There might be a little change here. Oh, okay. So okay, so let's talk turkey. <laughs> um do you what do you guys do you all have turkey or I don't know if there's yes. vegans in the family. No, yeah. It's, so turkey. it's turkey. Is it do you turkey in the oven, turkey in the fryer? What do you do? Turkey in the oven. I would love a fried turkey. It's been years since I've had one, but I think they have like an indoor one now that like doesn't take oil. I don't know. Mm. But no. Just in the oven. Free range, ethical treatment of the bird. Um, I don't buy the like heritage one or whatever, because that's usually like seventy five dollars a pound. Yeah. Um <laughs> typically, uh I will do it just like a turkey breast. So then that way it's not like tons of leftover turkey. Mm. But I think the reason we were talking a little bit, if you do a whole turkey, um, I highly recommend spatchcocking <laughs> your turkey. <sighs> okay. All right. Hold on. I'm going to track like an adult. I'm trying to act like an adult. I because mean, you we mentioned... said caulk. I know. Like 40 times already. So so the phrase, because you said it to me yesterday, and I think we laughed on the phone for a good five minutes before we could, I could contain myself because I'd never heard spatch cocking. Yes. So, or a spatch cocked turkey. <laughs> the name of the episode is just scamming about spatch cocking. How does, <laughs> how does one spatch I kind of want to call my mom and be like, did you spatchcock the turkey yet? <laughs> how how does one go about, is there a special tool for spatchcocking? Um, is there an actual spatchcock tool? No. Called a spatchcock? Really. No. Spatchcocking a turkey <laughs> just refers to taking the backbone out of the turkey. Oh, God. <laughs> so I just had this picture in my mind and I was like, Bleh. Um. So I feel like it's gaining more traction because it is honestly, I feel like the best way to make it like a whole turkey. So you just rip the spine out? <laughs> is that what you're doing? Yeah, you just get like, you know, go to the gym a lot the the weeks before <laughs> and you what just I tear the turkey apart. No. <laughs> um, so probably the best way would be like to get poultry shears. Ugh, everything you're saying is just like a horror movie. I mean, kind of. I mean... You're cutting up a carcass. Well, so. yeah, I don't like to watch it prepared. Um, so you go alongside the, the backbone and then you just cut it like, you know, you cut the backbone out essentially. And then <laughs> this is really uncomfortable. You're going to love this. You'll turn it over then and then you have to break the breastbone. So it's, there'll be a pop. I'm just warning you. The look on your face right now. I mean, it's bad enough. You like people shove stuffing up its ass, and now you're over here like you snip the. We get the pliers, then we shear out the spinal column, and then we flip it over and break its sternum. So yeah, after you break the <laughs> breastbone, um, you're pretty much left with kind of a flat turkey. So Wait, what you're doing? Yeah. It's flat because you break the breastbone. So then the the thighs kind of like deflate. Not deflate, but they're kind of on a, an even level with the breast. How does that make it look like a turkey for Thanksgiving? I mean, you lose a little bit with the presentation, but it still looks okay. 
Do you fill it back up with stuffing? No. Who puts stuffing in the turkey? Lots of people put stuffing in the turkey's butt. That's how they do it. That's why it's called stuffing. They stuff it in there. Okay, I guess I, I technically like dressing. I like dressing, too. So, I have some tips on dressing. Later. <laughs> well, I didn't realize this was cooking with Kyle, but okay. <laughs> I just wanted to know what spatchcocking was. Yeah. You can also spatchcock a chicken. Oh, I almost made a really bad joke. <laughs> uh, anyways, though, but the benefit for spatchcocking a turkey... Is I'm just gonna say spatchcock as much as I can just to see your face. I'm literally a child. Um, Is you know the breast and the legs are going to? (laughs) Sorry, I said the word breast. I saw it on your face. (laughs) I'm a child. Keep going. So (laughs) there's like hand movements that are happening. So the breast and the legs are on kind of the same range. Mm-hmm. So the breast doesn't get dried out. while No one likes a dried the... out breast. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, while the legs get done. Uh-huh. So it's better cooking, okay. like that it's all even. It also cooks usually about half the time. I was going to say, without the, the, without the, the bones. The surface area. Yeah. yeah. So usually about like 90 minutes, I think. So it's a flat turkey. <laughs> But it tastes better, or does I it? I mean, doesn't it? It's, it doesn't change the taste. It just makes it cook faster. Yeah, it's it's gonna cook faster. It takes up less room in the oven. Your breast doesn't get dried out. No one wants a dry bread. No. Um. Yeah. There's lots of videos. Just uh, YouTube spatchcock turkey. Be careful. Oh, <laughs> one of my favorite phrases ever. Now is spatchcocking. So. Why do you, why, why do you like to do the cooking? Like, I don't think we've ever talked about that. Like why, when did it become your part of the tradition and your family to do the cooking? Um, I, I guess because I'm pretentious. So you I like things my way. 110%. <laughs> like, you know, if I want to do the homemade green bean casserole, I'm going to have to. Wait, so we were talking about that today too in, in class. You don't use cream of mushroom soup. You actually make your own yep. cream of mushroom? Yeah. So you just saute your mushrooms, maybe throw some shallots and garlic in there, some flour, make a roux. Make and a then, roux. <laughs> um, and then you just throw in some chicken stock and like half and half and let it uh, reduce Ah, so you put down. in chicken stock. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically like you're making cream of mushroom soup. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then do you take the mushrooms out or do you keep them in? Uh, no, you keep them in. Keep them I in. just pick the mushrooms Oh, you out. pick them out. I thought I you meant you pick them out before you no. make the dish. And you like fresh cut green beans, not cans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You blanch the, the green beans. Of course you blanch them. Why? What, what, what else would you do? I mean, it just goes great with a spatchcocked turkey. <laughs> Dear God, what other sides do you typically have? <laughs> um kidding no but back to the original question okay. so what i guess what got you besides being pretentious we know that's the thing but what got you involved like why did you choose this know. like what i think i just like grew up on the food network okay and that just like got me into cooking which now i still do but it's a lot of baking competitions now yeah. um they sold out yeah <laughs> so like i'd watch like emerald Mm. Rachel Ray, I think I might have mentioned this on the last podcast too, though. But I don't know. It just, I guess, inspired me to cook. And then slowly, your mom was like, "I'll get out of the way." Yeah. Usually, mom's like sous chef on the day. Oh, okay. She's behind me, like helping or cleaning dishes. So. <laughs> 
Do you uh, have you ever made anything crazy for for Thanksgiving that your family was like, "Whoa, calm it down." No, I don't think so. Okay, Usually, I made like, couscous pretty... one year, and my family was like, "Uh, <laughs> what the hell is this?" How did you make the couscous? From a box. I don't know. Did you use water? Because it's a lot better to do chicken stock. I probably used that... water because I was much younger okay. than I am now, so I'm pretty sure I used water. Yeah, try it with chicken stock. It was good. It... I like couscous. I so do too. I mean. The family was just like, what the hell is this? We thought we were getting Oreo cookie balls. And I was like, I make a balls. I'm trying to add some culture to this day that we celebrate us stealing land from indigenous people. <laughs> I wonder if they spatchcock turkeys. How long has spatchcocking been around? I still laugh about the word spatchcocking. I was trying to talk to my boss about it today and I didn't want to type it in a team's message. And he's like, you're talking about spatchcocking. And I was like, I don't want to put that down. <laughs> Anyway, there's a great episode of of Bob's Burgers for one of the Thanksgiving episodes where Bob tells Linda about spatchcocking. I'm just going to play that clip real quick. Oh, God, what are you doing? Uh, I'm taking out the backbone. It's how you get the turkey flat for spatchcocking. What? I I thought you'd want to see me do it. (laughs) Why is everyone so disgusted by turkey preparation? It's beautiful. No! Okay, but just watch this, Lynn. I have to crack the chest. You have to be pretty strong to do this. Good thing I... Spatchcock! Oh, my face! Did I get you? Yes! Oh, right in my mouth! Wash it off quick. Oh, give me some wine. Give me some wine. Give me the wine. Oh, oh. Oh, good wine. (laughs) This is why I love Bob's Burgers, because I really feel a kinship with his wife, Linda. First of all, she breaks out into song about whatever the hell she wants. Second of all, I love that she washed her mouth out with wine and then said, "Mm, good wine. And I was like, well, that's you. You would wash your mouth out with like Malibu and then be like, mm, that's a good year. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mighty Wheel. What are we covering next? <laughs> Okay, we are, oh, this is fun. Okay, fantastic. What we are going to talk about now is, I don't know if many of you know this or not, but I do have another podcast, you should know this, called Out of the Holiday Closet. And uh, that comes out once a month and it's where I force, literally I have to force my friends, but I force my friends to come over and we watch a holiday special of times gone by, okay? So, you know, sometimes we watch really good ones like Garfield Halloween and you know other ones that maybe you don't know that are actually pretty decent which is like the you know the Ghostbusters St. Patrick's Day special and uh and some ones that no one's ever heard of uh like the (laughs) it was Easter egg morning and uh so this time uh guesty bestie John came over and we watched and discussed a a uh, it's special, all right, called Intergalactic Thanksgiving, or Please Don't Eat the Planet. And I thought, why don't I give you a quick sneak peek of what some things we're going to talk about that in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, well, before we start talking and diving in about this this Thanksgiving treat, what were your first thoughts as soon as it popped on? Because I saw your face. And you're like, have you watched this? And I was like, no. Like, I assumed it would be bizarre, but it was truly bizarre from the first, like, 10 seconds. It was very, like, 70s animation. Yes. Early 80s animation, too, I think. Yeah. A little more progressive. But it was smoother than I expected. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also, the, the, it's so weird because I want to say the aliens, but the humans were the aliens. Right. The Laftonians? I don't know. 
That sounds good. Laugh tonight. Or laugh tonight. It's whatever. <laughs> they were more cartoonish in appearance, but the humans were drawn with a little bit more realism, I yeah. thought, which is kind of weird. And then Cromwell, the dog, to me, mm-hmm. he made me think of like 90s cartoons. When you yeah, get he to made like, me think of Courage. E- yeah, Courage or Eek or mm, like yeah. that. Um, Even a little Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I was thinking of. a little Stimpy too. Um, definitely. It was a really like weird algamation of an algamation of animation. Yeah. It's like the art direction was all over the place. <laughs> they just like, said, do what you want. We got money. It's like they had four different departments and we just gave them each a chunk. And, and told said, wait, you get a song, you get a song and eh, you don't get a song. Yeah. Um, which speaking of, we get our first song, which I titled, did I title it? Uh, cosmic farmers. When the sun comes up and the stars go down, I'll pack my frying pan and head for new horizons in search of farming land. We are the cosmic farmers in search of space to grow. Corn and squash and taters on a homestead of our own. So all across the galaxy are farming land to find. Looking for a home. Yeah, shake your groove thing, Jason. <laughs> um, what a bizarre opening number. Yeah. First off, I was very confused because when it opens up, you hear you you see people in a covered wagon, and I was like, damn, how far back in time is this? And I was like, oh, so it must be when like aliens land on Earth like in the eighteen hundreds. Right. You know. No, no, no. It's covered wagons. In space. Rocket ships in space. <laughs> <laughs> space <laughs> and they had like plastic bubbles over the front so that they could breathe because yeah, but, but like, like the top was still like cloth or at least it, it made like yeah it was it was it made no sense yeah and i was like there's no horses which i'm okay with because i don't like them but <laughs> i was like what the hell are we watching and they sang a song about wanting to go farm land in space and listen that was a lot <laughs> and pa can't drive 55 pa cannot we meet Ma and Pa. What are their names? Spademinder. Spademinder. Which is a horrible name, but, you know, they had to dig, so I guess it makes sense. But we meet Pa and Ma, and we meet Victoria, their daughter, and then we get the dirtiest scene in a cartoon I have seen in a long time. We meet Cromwell the dog, who's reading a magazine, turns it vertically, yes. and it unfolds like a Playboy centerfold, and it's a damn tree. Yeah. Literally, it's a picture of a tree on three pages. And he gets real excited. Yeah. That was real uncomfortable. I'm not even going to lie. It wasn't Mm -hmm. even funny. It was gross. Yeah. I don't know if that had been funny. Do you think that would have been funny in the 70s? Well, this is late 70s anyway, early 80s. Yeah, I mean. I think if my mom would have seen that, she'd have been pissed and told me to turn this off. I mean, if it was Thanksgiving 79, you're almost 80s. Yeah, you're right there. But still, even still. still, it's. That is not a joke for kids. No. So. I don't even know what age group this was targeting either. No. Like nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds, five-year-olds. People with their eyes taped open. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's, that's our, our main cast. And then Ma's mad because Pa won't drive fast enough because he should be leading the pack of wagons, which, you know, it's like a wagon train. And she was a little snooty about it. Like, like, oh yeah, because that's where we should be. Like, she knows what's up. That's the beginning of Moira right there. That's true. She knows. Uh, so then she tells him to go faster, and he puts it into, like, what is it, Warp 8? Warp 8. Yeah. Warp 8. 
and then crashes literally into a planet. This is what I don't understand about cartoon space movies sometimes and space in general. I'm not smart when it comes to like planets. Okay. They crashed literally into the planet. And then when they say oh, we crashed, all of a sudden we now see that they're in the atmosphere of the planet on the ground. But when they first crashed, they literally hit a rock. Yeah. And it's like, I get like some places don't have an atmosphere, right? And the joke was to smash the thing into the planet. The joke didn't land because even as a kid, I would have been like, what the hell? Yeah. How did you go to a planet, crash into it, and then have an atmosphere? And I know I think about this too much. but I mean, there was nothing about this entire thing that any actual physics connect to. <laughs> like, even true. when it comes to cartoon physics, they didn't even follow those. It's true. That's true, because there's a lot happening. I was, I remember I was even said to you, I was like, I can't keep up with what's going on because I'm trying to take notes, and I'm not watching this again. Yeah, like, I kind of, I like watching it with you, but I kind of wish you had sent me the link before, mm. because that way I could have watched it once and just let the awe sink in, and then go back and... No, I think, I, I think it, it's it, this. Listen, why do you want to suffer twice? <laughs> okay, fair point. Um, well, so just, they, just to hear the music. Truth, the truth. I mean, listen, the soundtrack is a bop. Yeah. You know, there's there's two songs. Well, there's only three songs which, in the whole which show. Which usually but... with, with these things, when we watch them, it's the music that's the worst part. Absolutely. And this time I'm like, okay, I'm into it. And the characters never sang, which was interesting, but... Yeah. As the background vocals. So they they crash on the planet. They decide to set up house and uh, their house is a tiny little four by four block thing. And they press a button. All of a sudden they have a farmhouse. Completely made of metal. Completely made of metal. But it still looked like a classic American farmhouse from yeah. the 1800s. Complete with the picket fence, which basically was like a buzzsaw on the ground. Yeah, that picket fence was frightening. Yeah, that was an OSHA violation. <laughs> that was an OSHA. That was like something out of a horror movie. <laughs> It really was. Like, I was like, holy shit. Um, and then w- some other alien. Oh, sorry. Laftonian. Laftonian. Let's go Laftonian. Laftonian. So this Laftonian sees them crash and thinks that they're the funniest damn thing he's ever seen. And he does this ridiculous escapade through the city filled with lots of cartoon hijinks. Yes. That's a good word. So uh, he gets to the king. And... We, we see the palace. We meet King Gucci, who we don't know his name until way later into the show. Almost halfway through, really. Yeah. We find out his name. Uh, he's can, being... can I describe these aliens? Yes, quick? absolutely. The aliens, for those that understand the reference, look like Shrek and Astro Snicks had a baby. That is... Well, first of all, Shrek is a perfect example. Because I was like, horn ears? I don't even know how to describe their ears. Yeah. There's something. Yeah, they, they are... They are alien, but like they, they, their body shape is more like tall and lanky, like a like a bowling pin almost, like that. Yeah, because they do have a skinnier top and then just a wide. They got a wide bottom. Yeah. So we're at the palace with King Gucci, and they're trying to find something funny, and in comes Lord Hydrors, Tight Drawers. I thought it was Tight Britches. Tight Britches. We don't know. I didn't write. I wrote High Drawers. Maybe that's Tight Drawers. And he had on like the. I don't remember what you call it, but it's like the collar thing that like the Three Stooges would wear. That's just like the collar. Oh like yeah, like the front. shirt. Like yeah, a shirt, the shirt front. front. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, he was trying to make the king laugh, and he shot a, a whipped cream pie out of his out of very long hat, a very tall hat. Well, I think that was a not a euphemism. It was a nod to. I mean, there's a lot of cream pie jokes you could make in this. Yeah, oh, totally. 
which does not do well with the king. The king does not find it funny. No. Um, the king talks to his son, who has the best name. It's Prince. Not funny enough. Which, let's pause for a second and discuss the there that to me, now. This is what I interpreted. That was supposed to be making fun of Native American names. I can see that. And so when I was like, I because I said to you, I was like, ooh, there's some racism. Yeah. So that's to me, or making fun of anyone, because there are phrases that we don't say anymore today, like you're not supposed to say long time no see, um, things like that. And yeah. so to me, it was making fun of whether it was Native Americans, whether it was another, um, another uh, group. I don't know. Yeah. There's, I was uncomfortable with it. I mean, it's a funny name, but it's kind of like... There's another part that kind of backs that up later when the... What are they called? The spade minders. I was going to say spade bottoms. Let's see. That's something <laughs> totally different. That is another podcast altogether. <laughs> but the spade minders, when they first see the aliens, like looking at them over a rock, like they made it look like stereotypical Indians and Indian type sounds yeah. for a second. Yeah. When they first When saw we them. say Indians, we're meaning like how people yes. describe them in the 70s. American and 80s, Indians. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you're fine. You're describing it as what people would have I mean, said yeah, that's, that's... Like, that's kind of what it was. Like, yeah. Um, which was kind of gross, but not surprising for yeah. the time period. It just wasn't surprising. Yeah, that's actually why I didn't pick the uh, one of the other specials, because it specifically had a lost pilgrim boy and a lost yeah whatever in the forest i'm like yeah Yeah. that's gonna that's gonna there's gonna be some there's gonna be some stuff um then the town crier laftonian comes in to tell the king about the aliens oh wait wait we gotta have the setup so the king decides he's gonna show how funny he is and how much cooler he is than lord dingle pants or whatever i don't think it was dingle pants but now i need it to be yeah but and so the king pulls this thing, which is like this running gag that he yanks on these things from the ceiling, which yeah. were also quite phallic. Oh, it like was very cart- phallic. Yeah. And this, it, the king's enormous cream pie comes <laughs> out of the ceiling on four <laughs> wires, and he's like yanking on his... Royal rope. Yes, his royal rope, and it refuses to fall. Anyway, we'll come back to that. It's a very important plot It point. is very important. It's Chekhov's cream pie. Oh, my God. Um, then town crier... Laftonian comes in and I remember looking at you and I was like, is this what's happening right now? <laughs> he uses who I don't even remember the, the, the configuration of who was using whose head, but they were talking through each other's ears. Like they, it was a telephone. Yeah. Was the town crier guy in the middle? Was he on the end? No, the town crier guy was on the, on one end. The, end. the king was on the other and they were literally talking through this guy's ears. Just through, through but, this guy's ears. But when they would talk, the guy who they were talking to would also say whatever they were saying. It was so weird. It was not funny. No. I don't. I guess it was meant to be, but I didn't find it funny. It was so confusing. Um, then we uh, we kind of f- so it's, they say, "Oh, we got to go find these these aliens. Let's go see." And immediately, um, what's his name? Not 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 funny enough. Is immediately intrigued. You can tell he's not cool with his dad's ridiculousness. Yeah, and I'm okay with it because I feel you. Um, then Mon Pa, we flash to Mon Pa and they are starting to dig into the ground and plant things. He wants to plant rutabagas and she wants to plant flowers or something. And I was like, ma'am, you're going to die if you plant, like, no, you can't eat those. It was like daffodils or daisies or something. And they're kind of arguing about where to plant stuff. And it's like, you have a whole damn planet. Yeah. Or at least at that point you think you do. So. Have you ever had a rutabaga? No. Me either. I don't even know what the hell they look like. Uh-huh. But they used to be one of my favorite words when I was a tween. Okay, so if someone says rutabaga to you, what do you imagine? 
a turnip kind of. I'm seeing like like an elongated red turnip. Like like if you took a radish and stretched well, I it. I want to know what the hell it looks like. <laughs> Hold on a second, folks. We are going to Google rutabaga. Rutabaga. Oh, that's a rutabaga. Oh, so it's it is kind of like, like a, a turnip. Big turnip. Yeah, it's kind of like a turnip. A root vegetable. Like oh, it's also referred to as a Swedish turnip, a neep, or a turnip. So it looks like it's part of the turnip family. Oh, uh, okay. I would not want to eat that. And now I'm like, oh no, is it like some terrible racist term or something that we don't know about? Um, it says that it is a cross between turnips and cabbage, and they have a slightly bitter flavor and taste like a less sweet carrot. Like, who does that? Who's like, you know what? I've got this turnip and this cabbage. I'm going to make them make love. Because I want to see that what that's going to taste I don't like. think we did that. I think rutabagas were just, it happened. Oh. And then it says, when cooked, they become sweeter and taste similar to potatoes. Huh. I would try one. Yeah. Don't tell me what it is. I would try it. Anyway. Well, we've all learned something today. About the, rutabagas. The more you know. <laughs> Um, then the family uh, is starting to dig finally and doing what they need to do. All of the alien, all of, damn it, all of the Leftonians show up and are, as you mentioned earlier, watching over the hill in the sunrise. So they're darkened out and they are legit dying. They think it's the funniest. Anything that they say, anything that Mon Pod do, it is the funniest thing they've ever seen in their lives. Yeah. And, and like it just, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Like I could see being like, what are they doing? Like, I don't know that that that's one of the things that literally makes no sense to me in this. Well, yeah, because it's we find out that you know I will say they did give us a little bit more information than I thought we would get on a show like this. The the we the family sees the Laftonians and they get ready to fight and then the Laftonians laugh even harder and already we see that uh, Victoria well that not funny enough is smitten with Victoria smitten yes. Um, the king introduces himself, and that's when we find out that the planet is called Laugh-A-Lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I wrote down, the prince has a sweet hot rod. Uh, phallic hot rod. I mean, it, it was. It was a it was, it was was a dick and balls. There's yeah. no way that you can't say that it wasn't. All right, now this episode's going to be coming out this weekend, so if you go and subscribe now, just search on Spotify or Apple or whatever you're using and search for Out of the Holiday Closet. And subscribe to it, and then you will get the the download automatically when it comes out. So, and like I said, it'll be out this weekend. All right, let's get back to the wheel. And here we go. Thanksgiving movies. Yes. All right. Now, I think I've talked about it on the show for the past four seasons, but I watch every Halloween movie in theory. So if it's like a scary movie or like a horror film or whatever, I watch all of those during October. And I have, I don't remember, like 60 or 70 different Christmas movies or Christmas specials. And I watch all of those in December. And what I've been doing each year is starting to create um, a list of Thanksgiving movies and specials to watch during November. And I don't have a huge list, you know. Um, I'm a little weird. I do not watch. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. Love it. Um, but I don't watch it in October and I don't watch it in 
December. I like to watch it in th- at during Thanksgiving time because I think it's a great bridge. I don't know why, but that's what I do. So it's always on my list. Of course, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving is on there. Uh, I added Garfield's Thanksgiving, which I watched it this year, and I don't know. There was some ick. There was some ick. But um, there is one movie that I have to have on there. One movie that I have to have. Before I give that away, I just kind of want to know, like, what are yours? And I would love for people to call in, leave a voicemail, let us know, send us an email, whatever you want to do. But let us know what are some of your favorite um, Thanksgiving-style films that you have to watch every year in um, the month of November. Now, I know some people go straight to, like, Miracle on 34th Street. That's a pretty popular one during Thanksgiving, I think, because it does have, like, the Macy's – or is it – yeah it's macy's the macy's thanksgiving day parade in it so maybe that's why uh my boss watches andy samberg's hot rod i'm not sure why i've never seen it but i guess i need to add that to the list um but mine mine the one that i have to watch every thanksgiving is always going to be a classic movie from the 80s it is the classic steve martin and john candy film planes trains and automobiles Now, this was released in 1987, kids. Most of you listening, I think, in my age demographic were alive during that time period, I think. Anyway, uh, it tells the story about uh, Steve Martin's character, Neil Page. Uh, he's in New York. He's He works as an advertising executive person type thing. And he's just trying to get home for Thanksgiving. Uh, he finally gets out of the office. He finally gets a cab. The cab gets stolen from him, which is ridiculous, which makes him late to the airport. He finally gets to the airport, finds out that his flight is delayed due to weather. He meets happy-go-lucky Del Griffith, played by the amazing John Candy. Neil's day just continues to get worse when he finds out that he's been bumped from first class to coach and finds him sitting, uh, finds himself sitting next to Dell on the flight. There is so much hilarity and chaos in this movie. It just makes me laugh every time. I don't know why it makes me laugh every time. I love it. Um, they literally go on this journey of trying to get home for Thanksgiving. And this journey involves things like shower curtain rings, snowstorms, stolen money, Cars on Fire, the song doing the mess around. And honestly, one of the most famous scenes from the movie is where Steve Martin says the word, uh, I'm not bleeping this out, it's my show. He says the word fuck 18 times in like under 90 seconds. It's one of the funniest scenes in the movie because it also has Edie McClurg in it. And I just love her. Um, I would, I would 
I think she's the door. I love her. Anyway, anything she's been in, I love Edie McClurg. Um, you need to see it if you've not. And if you have seen it and it's been a while, go watch it again. First of all, go buy it on DVD. Yes, physical media still exists. You can do that. But if you'd rather stream it, if you have a subscription to Paramount Plus, it is on there. If you don't, though, because here at Gabbing with Gason, we do our diligent reporting, uh, you can actually go and stream it for free, signing up for Pluto TV, which is another free uh, streaming service. I but it does have commercials. So, I mean, you know, there's that. You got you to you, you take what you can get. But anyway, go watch it. It's hysterical. I love it. All right, Corny Wheel. What is next? Okay. Wow. Well, listen. Uh, it landed on... Uh, probably my rant for this episode. I do, I, do I go on rants a lot? I don't really know. Sometimes I do. Anyway, it's going on our rant for this episode, but I love a good desk calendar. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I do. I love them. Uh, you want to get me a gift? It's really not hard to buy me gifts, right? It's like He-Man, um, Legos, Christmas, uh, Malibu, desk calendars, um, Funko Pops. Like, there's all kinds of things you can do. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. But I love a good desk calendar and um, I love getting the ones that have either like a puzzle game that you have to play every day, like a word search or like a whatever. But I really love the ones that do facts, right? So sometimes I'll be posting them on Snapchat and I haven't posted a lot. I got this one. It's the Mental Floss Amazing Facts Calendar. I wouldn't say every fact has been amazing, (laughs) but many have. But I recently pulled their fact of the day from Friday, November 17th, and it triggered me. It triggered me. I'm going to read it to you. So Friday, November 17th fact is, throughout the 1980s, a number of children's characters were accused of being in league with the devil, or at least with what some called the occult. Thundercats was purportedly intended to promote Eastern mysticism. The He-Man Snake Mountain playset supposedly invoked demonic imagery because kids could use a microphone to deepen their voices and pretend to be evil. And according to some interpretations, the beauty mark on Rainbow Bright's cheek was actually a pentagram. Y'all, that hit me in a way I was not prepared for because it made me remember that I once saw a, and I didn't watch this whole thing, but I once saw on YouTube a 90-minute video clip from this ridiculous thing in the 80s, okay? So in the 80s, if you weren't born then, there was the whole satanic panic thing that happened where everything was about the devil, okay? Everything from our our rock music to comic books to the things we're watching on TV, all of those things were satanic, right? Now, this show, and I use that word because that's a very strong word. I, I don't know what I would use, but it was created by one of these uber evangelical groups back in the day. It was something eagle, eagle something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't even see it in my notes. Why? Because it doesn't matter. This eagle group, right? They created this 90-minute show called Deception of a Generation, right? Now, it's hosted by this douche named Gary Greenwall, and he interviews a complete and utter twat waffle of a man named Phil Phillips. And in this show, Phil, according to Gary, has done an expose, although that is not how Gary pronounces that word. I don't know what he said, but it sure as hell was not the word expose. Phil has done an expose on how there are satanic toys and satanic cartoons that were being created in the 80s to market Satanism and to take out God from kids. So I'm not going to play the full 90 minutes because it will melt your brain. 
But I did find an edited clip down that really annoys me because he goes really in on He-Man. And, you know, that's 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 a no-no with me, right? We all know that. Like, if you don't know that by now, unless this is your first show, and thank you for listening if it is. But if not, you know I love He-Man, right? Don't go in on He-Man. I'm not, I'm not, we are not the ones here at the Gabin with Gaysom show. So I wanted to play a very short clip for you of these two douche nozzles <laughs> talking about the Satanism in He-Man. Hello, I'm Gary Greenwald, and over the past several years, the Eagle's Nest Ministries has exposed certain things like rock and roll music, Dungeons and Dragons, marijuana, and even the New Age movement. And now we feel there's another attack upon our society. Yes, there's a vast movement toward the occult within the cartoon and toy industry. Most people don't realize that 80% of all cartoons deal directly with the occult, and 40% of the toys on the market have occultic influence, and these are the most popular. And these toys are actually a mirror of the cartoons, is that correct? Right, they're released together. It's a form of marketing where the toys and the cartoons are released together to create this popularity for the toys. Now, you have a concern. I know that all of this is affecting our youth. And I wanted to know, do you feel that there are a lot of children that are being influenced by the cartoons they watch? Oh, yes. Uh, take, for instance, a cartoon like He-Man and Masters of the Universe. It can be seen as many as 31 times a week in an area with a viewing audience as much as 16 million children each time it's aired. And so we're seeing a vast effect on the whole United States and other countries around the world through these cartoons and toys. Millions of children now watching occultic cartoons and then going out and buying occultic toys. Now, could we say that there is witchcraft and occultic practices that are actually being portrayed in these cartoons? Oh, yes. The witchcraft and, and occult practices are not make-believe. They're taken from actual witchcraft, actual pagan religions, levitation, mind control, astral projection, and other forms of, of witchcraft ceremonies are portrayed within the cartoons. Well, we've seen over the last several years a, a slow, subtle uh, occultic influence in our cartoons, but it's become so blatant. When do you feel this blatant turn towards the occult and witchcraft really took on its momentum? Well, there's a cartoon called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Now, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe really broke the ground on this cartoon occultism. In fact, it set so many records. It was turned down by all three major networks. Works, by the way. It was the first cartoon to go through independent TV stations as a first-run cartoon, and it covers 95% of America. So you're saying He-Man was like a, an occultic forerunner to really blast this into the public's eye. Oh, yeah. They, the cartoon uh, people have no problem getting another one through. They say, well, it's just like He-Man. Hmm. But He-Man was such a tremendous success. In fact, it got as much as a 22-point Nielsen rating in many areas when it was shown. And that's market control, as you know. Well, I think what we should do is let's watch on the screen right now and see an opening to a He-Man series and see some of the occultic overtones as we begin this. We're going to play a little segment here showing the transformation of He-Man. Power of Rayskull! No, 
Now, Phil, here we're seeing a transformation of He-Man from a wimp, like a Clark Kent type of character, to the He-Man, and he says something uh, like the power by the power of Grayskull, is that correct? Yes, what you just seen is He-Man uh, being transformed. In fact, his name is Adam, yeah. first oh, man. Interesting. Until he's transformed, and then he becomes He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe, by lifting his sword in the air and yelling by the power of Grayskull. Now, to understand this, we have to understand what Grayskull is. It is a castle built by unknown hands in the shape of the skull, and there's a demon spirit living within it that manifests in the shape of a skull. And so our good character is empowered by occultic demon spirits. You're kidding me. So all of this is coming forth, and the children, whether consciously or, or subconsciously, are picking up all these occultic overtones. Oh, very much so. You know, I received this letter. I thought I might read it here. A lady had written to the Eagle's Nest, and she said, How harmless are the cartoon characters on the Masters of the Universe program for children? My sister-in-law allows her son to watch this television show, and he also has all the characters, He-Man, Skeletor, who you see on the screen right now, and the Castle of Grayskull, to which this little two-year-old boy repeats from the show by the power of Grayskull. Here's a little boy repeating, two years old, by the power of Grayskull, and she says he holds his hand up, saluted to the sky. So a two-year-old is actually learning these things. Well, the Bible says, dear children, let nothing take God's place in your hearts right and he man is being lifted up as a god and many children are receiving him as such in fact i was talking to one lady and and i've heard a number of experiences like this but she said my little boy was in the back seat of the car and a radio preacher came on and said our lord god the master of the universe and her boy jumped from the back seat of the car and said mommy god isn't master of the universe he man is we can assume that millions of children that you say watch these programs are having their minds transformed from reading the Word of God or believing what the Bible says to believing what the cartoons are saying. They have that kind of influence on their minds. Right. They're taking on many gods. Many gods. Well, let's look, at a, let's look at what this is spawning in our toy stores. Each cartoon is spawning little toys that represent the cartoon. Is that correct? Right. All right. Then I'm going to show you a He-Man figure here. And he's got this, uh, what do you call this sword here? Uh, well, that's the sword of power. But as we've talked about He-Man, he becomes transformed. Now, from He-Man, we need to take a look at Skeletor. Okay, now this is the He-Man, a muscular figure and mm -hmm. so forth that mostly little boys follow, I take it? Right. But the little girls have someone, too. Oh, many little girls play with this toy. Oh, really? Well, yeah. let's look at Skeletor now. We've got him up on our screen. And Skeletor is this ugly-looking uh, skeletal creature with a staff in his hand. Now, what's that staff that he's got in his hand? The staff is a ram's head staff. Now, the ram's head is a very occultic symbol. It's boiled in cauldrons. It's used in different occult practices. But when it's seen on the staff, it's called a norok. And when the norok is pictured in occult books, many times it's pictured with the butt of the staff crushed onto the head of a dove. Now, Skeletor introduces most of the occult within the toy series. He has the ability to mind control, to levitate, to astro project, and, and to do many other occult practices and pagan religion practices. So you're telling me little boys, for instance, could watch Skeletor with his staff of power here, and they could, and you say this was actually used to crush a, a, a dove that represents total satanic power. Of course, we know that the goat's head, the ram's head, represents Satan anyway in the yes. occult. So little boys are really being programmed to evil. And where does Skeletor live? Well, Skeletor lives in Eternia with He-Man. 
Now, Eternia is a good world that they live in, and we'll, we'll see some things about Eternia a little later on. Now, who lives in Snake Mountain? Well, Skeletor lives in Snake Mountain. Could we talk about Snake Mountain? Sure, let's minutes. take a look at it. Now, we, we have a toy that we got at the store, which is uh, called simply Snake Mountain. I thought I'd get this toy up here if we can get that on the screen. And uh, here's the snake and all. I mean, this is definitely an occultic toy. And it's got an interesting little feature here. I'm going to turn it on. It can actually transform your voice from uh, your regular voice to that of an occultic hero. Is that yeah. correct? Let me turn this on here. I, I think I'm getting it too loud. Skeletor, the master. Sweet the Jesus. Universe. That bastard kept calling it Ethernia. It's Eternia, you douche. It's Eternia, okay? I don't know what Eternia is. I think it's because he watched both He-Man and She-Ra. She-Ra lives on Etheria. He-Man lives on Eternia. This man lives in a wonderland. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, it's Eternia. Learn how to pronounce their names. It's not that hard. You were watching. They watched the cartoon on the show. It says Eternia. Whatever. It, they go on for 90 minutes to discuss occultism in She-Ra. Not a good idea with me. Thundercats, also not a good idea with me. They go on a rant about Scooby-Doo and the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo cartoon show. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe because it glorifies violence. The Smurfs. The Littles. Rainbow Bright. Barbie and Ken. Dungeons and Dragons. Both the game, the TV show, Star Wars, Voltron. Even the Care Bears. The Care Bears. They are there to care a lot. That's what they do. That's where they're from. And they even talk about Cookie Crisp. Yeah, the cereal. We all enjoyed good Cookie Crisp back in the day. And I'm not going to lie and say that I might have had some Cookie Crisp a couple weeks ago. Because it's Cookie Crisp and it's a cereal. <sighs> Listen, it is 90 minutes that I cannot promise you will be enjoyable. It is not. But if you feel like watching it and, you know, maybe you take an edible, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a good idea. Um, I'll put the link to the full 90 minutes in the show notes. Go watch it. But I'm going to get my rant over because we need to move on to things that make me happy. <laughs> All right, Wheel. We got a couple more things on there. Let's, let's, let's do a happy one. Let's do a happy one. Ooh, okay. Hmm. Well, in case you forgot, I also have another podcast that comes out seasonally. We're doing it seasonally. We used to do it every month, but, you know, Papa got busy, and so we're only doing it seasonally. But we do have my Christmas podcast, Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason. Yes, it is a seasonal podcast. It comes out in September, October, November, December, and January. We, we make it last a little bit longer. But, um, and it's all things Christmas, right? There's different segments of the show. We have different characters that come on the show, including Mrs. Claus. Uh, we have a naughty elf. We have the, the, um, North Pole Librarian. We got Christmas Carol. There's different, just different people pop up in different shows. Uh, but I wanted to give you a preview of one of our newer segments with Old Man Winter, who wants to come on and talk. And I got to get this right. It's wacky and wild and weird Christmas songs. So here's a quick teaser clip of that show that's coming out at the end of the month. Hi, it's me, Old Man Winter. Welcome to my little corner of the North Pole. You know, I love karaoke so much, I get to do a segment now about wacky or wild or just plain weird holiday songs. That's right. Now, sometimes these songs are a little too wild or too weird or even too wacky to have a lot of info about them, but I'm going to still tell you about them and always play a quick little snippet. 
since it's November, I thought, well, hell, we need a Jingle Bell style song. And there's so many out there. But, you know, I realized I have got the pick of the litter <laughs> for this one. So this song we're going to talk about is the Jingle Cats Medley by the Jingle Cats. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. It's the Jingle Cats. Now, this is a true holiday earworm. Now, producer Mike Spala released his full album of the Jingle Cats called Meowie Christmas in 1993. However, his version of the song Jingle Bells began playing on the radio years before. He said, I'm going to get these cats out there. Now, what he does, which is just insane to me, he mixes actual animal sounds to match the tones of the songs. He said that it took more than 1,000 meows and scratches and scrawls to assemble 20 melodies. Sweet baby Frosty, can you imagine that? Listen, I love animals, but damn, not that much. Look, the album reached number 86 on a Billboard chart and was sold out a week before Christmas. Then his second album, titled Here Comes Santa Claus, with Claus being spelled with the C-L-A-W-S, and it starred his cats, Sprocket, Twistler, Binky, Cheesepuff, Clara, Gramer, Max, Petunia, and Cubal. Now, he played the accordion, and he got some background dog barking from his dog named, I swear to you, Clippy Cloppy. The dog's name was Clippy Cloppy. Its success resulted in a national tour. I don't even know how that worked. And then he got to be on TV. Then he started doing spinoffs. He started Jingle Dogs, which was released on September 11th, 1995. Uh, That CD was titled Christmas Unleashed. And then... I don't know what was going on in his mind, but in 1997, he put out a third album called Jingle Babies with Jews and Baby Sounds. I'm I'm not going to listen. Then Jingle Cats and Jingle Dogs uh, started coming out on video. And then there was a mail order catalog that was out there selling Jingle Cats t-shirts and buttons and stickers. Then Hallmark Greeting Cards signed him on for a four-year contract to sell Jingle Cats singing cards in 2008. And... In the first three months, they sold over 125,000 cards. 125,000. And then, because we can't stop, in 1998, somebody said, hey, let's make a video game about Jingle Cats. And that was released in Japan. Listen, all this talk has made me catatonic. Come back next month for some wacky or wild or just plain weird holiday songs. And remember, till next time, keep chilling. He is one of my favorites. <laughs> now, uh, again, that show will be out uh, next week. And in it, are we're going to have our five-minute festive fun fact where we learn about the history of Christmas lights. As well as Mrs. Claus is going to teach us how to make uh, melted snowman bark. So it's a candy treat. So if you're into cooking, you might want to listen in. It's a pretty good show. Uh, All right. We have time for our very last segment, which is on the wheel, but it 
kind of is cool that it ends up this way. Um, but it's our very popular segment now. Ask Gason. Now, today is just a quick voicemail, though, from guesty bestie Kristen. Uh, we are hitting the gift-giving season, and Kristen wanted to share one of the best gifts she received for the babies when they were born. Uh, Gason, this is Kristen. Would our voicemails get to be longer if your intro message was shorter? Asking for a friend. Uh, I forgot to share the thing my sister got the twins uh, when they were newborn newborns, tiny babies just home from the hospital. That was a lifesaver. It is a heated tummy wrap. There are tons of options out there, but anytime they seem to be upset, whether it was from, uh, you know, upset tummy or gas type situation, or uh, I've heard it even helps with colic, a heated tummy wrap was a lifesaver. Kristen did send me the link. So it's the HILF, and it's H-I-L-P-H, Baby Colic, Gas, and Upset Stomach Relief Heated Warmer Tummy Wrap. And uh, it comes in a variety of colors with little little things on it. So, like, there's a purple dinosaur, and it looks like maybe a green dinosaur and a yellow ducky. Um, but, yeah, I will put this in the show notes for you. And, uh, you know, if you know a someone who just had babies or a baby, um, Sounds like a pretty good gift to give them. Whatever you're doing this turkey day, I hope that you uh, have a good day. I hope that you practice self-care, whatever that means for you. If that means uh, not spending time with uh, your bio family, then that is fine. Go spend it with your chosen family. Or maybe you just want to have a day where you sit at home and chill and relax. Or maybe you want to go to work. Or maybe you got to work. It's fine. Set those boundaries. They're appropriate. And it is okay. If you don't want to sit next to your racist uncle, don't. If you want to shut them down, shut them down. Uh, we are uh, we, we live in a time now where it's okay to set those boundaries. So I encourage you to set those boundaries. Do what you need to do uh, because you need to take care of yourselves. All right? Um, make sure that you have some pumpkin pie. For those of you that eat pumpkin pie, have a slice for me uh, because I will try to eat a whole pie myself. Why? Because I can. And it's delicious. And I only do that like twice a year. Uh, <laughs> anyway... All right. Well, if you uh, want to support the show, you know the ways to do it. I'll give you a quick one. Share the show. All right. Just share the show. Tell your friends. Share the show. And, uh, you know, because remember, if someone's having a bad day, throw a little gay their way. And I am definitely that little gay. I'm a shorty gay. I'm just a little pocket gay. Actually, I'm not a pocket gay. I'm more like a backpack gay, I think, because I'm a little bigger than, than short. Maybe maybe that's the phrase I'm going to start. I'm just a backpack gay. You put me in your backpack. Take me around. Pop me out for parties. Anyway, you can do that. Make sure <laughs> make sure you subscribe to the show. <laughs> and <laughs> can't. make sure you subscribe to the show. Make sure you subscribe to Keeping the Yuletide Gay and Out of the Holiday Closet. We have some really exciting stuff coming up next year. We'll be back uh, in December. We've got some fun shows coming up uh, for the uh, winter holidays. Christmas. So uh, definitely check us back out for that. And uh, just remember, be loud, be proud, be bold, and be brave. And we'll see you next time. Bye! Sing us out, Linda. What's your Thanksgiving?
Thanksgiving song. Oh, no, 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 yes, no. The cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Ooh, the turkey looks great. Len. Thank you for loving me. Len. Thank you for being there. Oh, God. Everyone's thanking. Len. The whole world's thanking you. Stop. Thanking Len. us for thanking Stop. you. Len. Kill the turkey. Please. I liked it. Thank you.